The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike and we're going to discuss the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Stock up, stock down. Joel, it happened. It finally happened. Danhausen is all elite. Joel, I was thinking of you in that moment. I, I'm so happy for you. Like you deserve <laughs> nice things. And this is one of those things that if you probably put on your, I don't know, your most desired list, it wouldn't be money. It wouldn't be fame. It'd be Danhausen and all elite wrestling. So, Joel, give me your reaction. <laughs> I was so excited. I when I could tell that there was someone under the ring as soon as Adam Cole struggled to pull an mm-hmm. object out. Cause that just never happens. Yeah. Like that's not a thing. And then when he pulled out the chair and it was attached to a person, <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, that's gotta be Dan Housen. <laughs> and sure enough, it was, I- I'm just so excited. I-, I think he is such a valuable asset. Um, he is absolutely capable of writing all his own stuff. And so it doesn't put any kind of a burden on creative to come up with things for Dan Housen to do. Uh, Look for his Twitter to suddenly be, you know, that much more active with backstage videos and different things. He will cook up feuds with people and get them over fully on the internet. And then that, you know, will eventually translate into stuff on TV. He's someone who doesn't need a ton of time. You know, he doesn't need to be dominating the airwaves on Dynamite and on Rampage. He can do little backstage things and just be funny and entertaining. And uh, he is a good wrestler as well and has some very interesting kind of gimmicks like pouring jars of teeth into people's mouths and then (laughs) kicking them in the face. Uh, His constant pursuit of sacks of human monies. I mean, there's... So much that you can do with Dan Housen um, within this product. So I'm, I'm just so excited. I think he's going to be great. And, uh, you know, he's someone who created his character based on The Simpsons and Conan O'Brien. Like, <laughs> those are his inspirations. And those are two areas of comedy that I really enjoy. So I- I'm really excited to see what he does within this company and what content is going to be coming out of the Dan House and machine. Yeah. What I, what I enjoyed about this, it was so random. It was so like unique. I can't remember a a wrestler's debut. Just, it kind of reminds me when Statlander came back a few, like last year where she was just in the video game and like, Oh shit. Hey, look, boom. Like it just was out of nowhere. And I think what's made it special was, you know, when people debut with companies, you always see other wrestlers on Twitter be like, oh, hey, yo, this is awesome. Everyone in the wrestling world was commenting how happy they were for Dan Housen. I learned a lot of his gimmicks, gimmick stuff, just from seeing how people were tweeting about him. Mm-hmm. Very nice, very evil. The bag of, what, human monies is what you Sacks said? Sacks of human Sacks monies. Sacks of human yes. monies. I saw people tweeting that. Um I learned that he curses people from the comments that people were making about mm-hmm. Adam Cole. Like there's this massive following and all the, everyone just seems so genuinely happy for him to be in this spot. 
And you, you, you said that he can build a feud just using Twitter. He's building a feud with the guns. Did you see all the guns like tweeting well, he's been doing about that for for weeks now? Yeah, with and the whole that... ass boys thing. Mm-hmm. And so one of his things is that he doesn't swear and he tries to stop other people from swearing. But <laughs> there are loopholes, right? Because this whole thing is convoluted, right? So he's like, if ass boys is your name, then it's not a swear, so it's fine. You can get away yeah. with it. And little little things like that. He comes up with his own names for everybody. So like. CM Punk is not CM Punk. He's Pepsi Man. And because of his tattoo. And uh, he, he does all this stuff. And it's uh, it's so funny. Like, he doesn't refer to Tony Khan as Tony Khan. He refers to him as Tony Elite. Um, and, like, I'm so excited to see this on a bigger platform. Because, you know, he was kind of on the tail end of ROH uh, before it went on hiatus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it was really unfortunate. You know, he broke his leg at one of the last ROH tapings. And it's, so it's like, okay, they, they all just got released from their contracts uh, to where they can now go and wrestle for other companies. And everybody else started doing that. And meanwhile, Dan Housen is like trying to do comedy stuff online about his broken leg (laughs) which was real you know he really had a broken leg so you know it's just exciting to see that all the work that he's put in has paid off he's an incredible self-promoter and you know i think i saw that outside of aew signed talent he had the number one selling store on pro wrestling tees i mean this guy's a big deal Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people out there that love that dan Housen. Yeah, and and you have to like you mentioned, he he seems to have complete control of his character. He knows how to get himself over. He knows how to write his own material. And AEW has shown that they're willing to let talent run with things. So, I I feel good about him being here because I don't feel like we're gonna get a a filtered version of Danhausen. Like this is going to be the Danhausen experience, mm-hmm. and. I can't wait. It's it's I just like if you just type in Danhausen on Twitter and you see all the comments, you see him tweeting, you know, he responded very elite, very evil. Like it's mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm excited for this. I, I not quite on your level, but I'm sure over the next year or two, I'll uh will become a huge Danhausen mark. So but yeah, I once I just loved like it just was so fucking random. I actually think it kind of took away from the main event. Um because I was so focused on seeing people's reactions to Danhausen, I was like, "Oh yeah, there's an awesome lights out match going on." <laughs> that was it for me. That was the end of the show. The show was <laughs> over as soon as Danhausen came out because that's that's the only thing I cared about after that, and that is kind of unfortunate because it was a fun match. Um, I, my favorite moment was Orange Cassidy wising up to the low blow and having mm-hmm. a plan and. Uh, I knew something was up when he rolled under the ring because uh, it's like he rolled under and then he came out and he didn't have anything with no. him, you know? <laughs> so I was like, well, something must be different. Otherwise, why would he have gone and hidden under the ring? And then, you know, we get that reveal of the cup with the thumbtacks in it. And, you know, the- <laughs> Adam Coles is being bewildered. And, you know, I, I just I love the match. It was fun. I really enjoyed both of these performers, but the moment was definitely stolen by <laughs> the appearance of Dan Housen. It, it really was. And um, 
but yeah, the, the match itself was fun. I thought it was a steel plate at first. I didn't think it was, you know, going to be uh thumbtack. So that had to hurt. Um, and yeah, I was thinking like, yeah, he definitely didn't wear this the whole time. Cause he did some spots where I'm like, you're going to have thumbtacks, like digging into your like legs. Very you sensitive know? area. Yeah. Yeah. Very sensitive. Area. And I don't, you know, he's, he's not like me. He doesn't chafe as badly as I would, but like, if you have fat thighs, you you definitely are not getting away with a thumbtack cup because you are going to just really shred yourself badly. Um, were you surprised that uh, Orange Cassidy got the win here? I felt the match, the type of match they were in, gave him a higher chance because it doesn't technically count. You know, <laughs> like they can do the same thing that Britt Baker kind of did when she lost. It's like, hey, it's mm-hmm. not on my record, so I'm still blah, 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 blah. I think it's actually... Um there's a cool parallel there, right? Like mm-hmm. obviously Adam Cole and Britt Baker are together. Now they've both lost in these lights out matches. They could do something with that down the road. And uh, that could be interesting. Uh, I think it was a simple case of, like you said, the win loss doesn't really matter here. So let's give the crowd something to cheer about, send them home happy, give the baby face the win. Uh, the other thing is it's been a minute since Orange Cassidy has had any kind of success. Uh The last major (laughs) thing was him, you know, putting Jericho into a pool of uh, Mimosa Mimosa at All Out 2020. (laughs) Was that 2020? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, Mimosa Mayhem. (laughs) Yeah, so that was the last, like, big thing for him. And I think the momentum that the best friends have gotten lately with the return of Trent and the, you know, Rocky Romero hanging around and Chris Statlander gaining momentum. I think it makes sense. Like let's put something behind this faction and let's give Adam Cole something to be upset about. I think Adam Cole is a character who is best when he has some kind of grievance. And this is an opportunity to see how he's going to spin this and how he's going to come back. And I'm looking forward to story time with Adam Cole, baby. (laughs) So one thing about the finish of this match, which caused them falling from the top of the, the stage. um, You've seen the Harry Potter movies, right? Yes. In the last one where Harry like hugs Voldemort and's like, let's finish this, Tom. It looked just like how Orange Cassidy <laughs> grabbed Adam Cole and flung themselves off of that uh that platform. And I, I was just laughing because in my head, I'm just thinking of freaking Tom Riddle and Harry Potter falling and apparating. So it's uh <laughs> worth noting, I said, yes, I've seen those movies. I think that's the only one I didn't see. You committed to seven movies and didn't see the last one? It came out at a weird time, I think. I mean, I've read all the books, so it's not like I didn't know like the well, story and everything. Do but... that in the book. The book ending's much better where they're actually like you see McGonagall dueling Vol sorry, we're not going into this nerd pit, <laughs> but damn, Joel, you ruined my reference. Go watch it's on HBO Max. You have my HBO Max. Go watch the eighth movie. It's just complete it. We're well, we planning on a full rewatch of the series, but let's yeah. get back to wrestling. Uh, yeah. Well, the, yeah, the crazy spots in this match. I, I'm glad Cassidy got that win. It's like you said, it's been a minute. Um, and yeah, I think we're really in a position to kind of push Adam Cole up the card here, get him some major wins after this. Seems like he's going to be a, one of the major players in AEW in 2022 could easily see him you know, saying, hey, Kenny Omega couldn't beat Adam Page. Let me try and beat Adam Page. And 
that can just build to, you know, this tension we've seen with the elite and Cole and the me- people formerly known as the undisputed, undisputed era. I can't always fuck that up. Yeah. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I, great match. Fun match. Joel, you ready to move on? Yeah. Yeah. We had another really sensational match on this card and that was the TNT title unification match between Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara. We saw some crazy shit in this match and ultimately Sammy Guevara prevailed and has regained the TNT title. And uh, Mike, what do you think of Sammy getting the win and of the insanity that we saw in this match? What spot do you think was the most painful? <laughs> um, God, uh, the cutter from the top may be one of the cleanest ladder spots I've ever seen. The fact like, not only did they get crazy air, but they both like adjusted their bodies. So they landed like completely flat and neither the of the ladders fell over. Neither of the ladders fell. Yeah. It, it was just, it was as close to perfect as you could like there was, um, I don't know. You just go back to any ladder match that there's a spot. Sometimes they don't jump at the same time and you can see there's, there's just something off. Like it, that was one of the best spots I've ever seen. And the air, that they got because he caught Cody above that ladder. Mm-hmm. So like, how far do you think they fell? Like 10, 12 feet? Like maybe, maybe a little less. I don't know. Ladder matches are crazy. I, can, I have no death perception. Um, so that was cool. I actually thought the, the suplex off the top at earlier in the match, like that's a scary fucking spot. Like yeah. if you mess that up, you're breaking the guy's neck. Uh, so yeah, the, <laughs> Or Sammy doing the splash and like the ladder not breaking and him just getting rubber bands back up. Yeah, like, I I don't know, man. I I it's it's the cutter. It's the cutter. <laughs> it's the so, fact that we're debating it is just how insane this match was. There's another spot that I think is arguably even more painful than which the one three am I you missing? Just mentioned, which is. <laughs> Sammy getting dumped into the open ladder that was upside down. Like, oh, that spot always looks so oh, yeah. painful. And you know that you're going to get like all kinds of pinched and scratched and mm-hmm. cut up by the hardware that holds that ladder together. That looked incredibly painful. I've seen that spot before, but I'm never prepared for it. It just, it looks so, so bad. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this match was absolutely insane. Kudos to both performers. And I think the right person won. Mike, what is your opinion on the state of the TNT title? And who would you like to see challenge for it next? Well, I just want Sammy to get kind of what we're used to with this this championship. A eh? uh, decently long title run where he gets to have bangers, you know, five-star matches, week at, week in, week out. He didn't really get to do that when he won the title from Miro because he got pulled into fucking inner circle bullshit. Um, Same thing with Santana Ortiz. So if they can just keep him separated from that group, allow him to do what this championship usually allows people to do. I think we're in a good spot. And, you know, I don't know if I'd necessarily wanted to jump into another feud right now. Just, Hey, do a couple showcase matches over the next three, four or five weeks get those big matches in and then maybe do something, a small one leading into, you know, uh, revolution or something like that. So don't really have anyone in mind, but I just, I just want to see him be able to show off. That's, that's what I've kind of expected from this belt. 
I'd personally like to see a nice little open challenge run. Sammy Guevara has kind of transitioned into being a full on baby face. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it would be cool to see him have a series of matches, probably on Rampage. I think that would be a great place for at least some mm-hmm. of these matches to happen. And, you know, have some great matches with some people that we know aren't going to beat him. And then don't book a match for Revolution. Have the open challenge take place at Revolution. And then have somebody who's a significant challenger, somebody that gives us a little bit of juice, a little bit of drama come out and challenge him out of nowhere. You know, Tony has recently, you know, prior to Dan Housen debuting said he has multiple people who are kind of dream hires that they've signed Mm -hmm. to the company. So I expect that, you know, in addition to Brody King and Dan Housen, that maybe there's another person who we're going to be seeing soon. I don't know who that would be necessarily. There's so many possibilities, Mm -hmm. but that could be a great spot to debut that person in a title match and just go out and start off the show. I think that's a great way to kick off the main card of revolution. And I would love to see that. Mm -hmm. I'm just looking at the roster right now. Like if I could think of people maybe for just one-off matches, not necessarily feuds like Lee Moriarty. I know you're a big guy, a big fan of him. Um, I think Jay lethal lethal. um, If they want to run that, I know they did that before, but that kind of, didn't something didn't seem right with that, but um, just looking through here, like oh, Frankie Kazarian just resigned with the company. Like a one-off match against Frankie, I think could be pretty fun. Um, you know, just like I, I just want work rate matches. I just want fun stuff. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I will. Uh, one thing about this is, I think the plan was for Sammy to win this belt back at Battle of the Belts, which was going to be just a straight match. Um, so I kind of like how this ended up working out anyway, but like better than that. Cause we had the interim run and then we got this ladder match. Cause I don't think the ladder match was going to be in play here. And this, this was incredible. And also can people get off of Cody's nuts for a second? Talking about how he always triple H he's trying to go, you know, he he's put over everyone, <laughs> Like I saw a great tweet that of the four pillars of AEW, he has put over three of them so mm-hmm. far in their feuds. Yeah, like, the only one he hasn't is Jungle Boy, right? Yeah, and he hasn't had matches with Jungle Boy. Every one that he's had with these guys, he's put over. You know, we talked about how he ended up like Darby Allen ended up winning the series. The whole MJF Cody storyline was great with MJF getting the win, and now Sammy. Like, get the fuck. Like, I don't get this anymore. Like, it, it's just people bitching because they don't like AEW. But Cody Rhodes is amazing. He's such a great promo. He's such a great talent. And he's doing what you would want someone in his position to do to help build and develop the, you know, younger guys. And he's done that. Leave Cody alone. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull out a, uh, a favorite phrase of our president, Joe Biden, uh, and say, <laughs> don't compare him to the almighty, compare him to the alternative. And that's what you have. Like, he's not perfect. And he's going to have promos that don't hit. He's going to have feuds that aren't perfect. Mm-hmm. But he's a hell of a lot more interesting than the equivalent people in the other wrestling company. How many boring ass Randy Orton feuds did we sit through (laughs) the highs with Randy Orton are fucking incredible. He's one of the greatest Mm -hmm. performers of all time, but when he's bored, it's boring. Yeah. And like, 
I think Cody is actually a better comparison to a Randy Orton than he is to Triple H. And I think he's someone who, when he turns it on and absolutely goes all out for it, his matches are incredible. His feuds are incredible. His promos are incredible. Uh, But I think sometimes, you know, it just doesn't quite land. And we need to, like, stop pronouncing that his run is over and that the fans don't care about him anymore because it's complete bullshit. And all Mm -hmm. you have to do is listen to the crowd. I mean, sure. He's getting the John Cena treatment with the let's go Cody. Cody sucks. And I wish we would retire that permanently, but (laughs) you know, the crowd cares deeply about Cody Rhodes. Like get the fuck over (laughs) yourselves. My, my favorite tweet from that after that match is sounds like Cody, I'll never turn heel and then promptly kills (laughs) Fuego del Sol. (laughs) I I really enjoy his, like, I'm not a heel heel work. It's, it's such a fun nuanced way of doing things. And it's in an era where it's really difficult to both be a popular and successful wrestler and also be a heel. Like, mm-hmm. unless you're doing what MJF and The Miz are doing, it's an incredibly difficult thing to do. And Cody has found a kind of backdoor way into doing it. And I think that's really cool and admirable. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. So, all right, Joel, you want to you wanna move on to lightning rounds? Let's we... do it. All right. Lightning round. So I want to start with just Britt Baker absolutely shitting on the city of Cleveland. And Joel, usually when you see these type of promos happen, it's to set up someone coming out and telling her to shut up and to start a new feud or to brawl. No, no, they just said, Britt, what do you want to do tonight? I want to shit on Cleveland for 15 minutes. And boy, does she shit on Cleveland. I. you now have a baker that that wins <laughs> like oh my god like, i i kept expecting someone to come out someone to come out and like no no they just let her shit over this poor city <laughs> it was amazing so i didn't love this promo this it, it <laughs> not big like it was fine just something was missing like that's what i'm saying it's like you expected something to change like interfere but no it just kept going and, well i mean and, and me, i don't I mean something was like missing that. i don't think something was missing like from an interference perspective or from someone like responding to her i mean like the promo kind of felt repetitive and a little bit bland and have you ever met a cleveland fan joel yes yes the but ones i've interacted what was the point of this promo? What did it do? How did it advance her it's character? How did it advance shit on Cleveland? Joe, that's the point. It's the shit on Cleveland. That's it. Okay. Okay. I missed the part where this is an NFL program. Like, what the <laughs> yeah. fuck is the point in terms of AEW Dynamite, in terms of the product, in terms of the company, in terms of her character, in terms of feud stories, anything? What the fuck was the point? Well, the the segment started with them showing off all of her awards that she's won this year. Yes, you know, and so, that's good. I think it's just, yeah, hey, she she's a heel. She's going to shit on your town. I was fine with it. Made me laugh. I, I think it went on a little too long. Like, if it had been a little bit shorter and more concise and and that was it, like, okay, I cool. Wanted, that, I wanted that keeps something... us thinking about her and it keeps, you know, it shows off that, you know, she is among the top in this business. But 
I, I don't, I don't know where we go from there. Like, how do we build off of that? What does it do? I think, I think that's, I think it needed something at the end, like either saying, I, and you know, I don't want to defend my title this week, but cause it's Cleveland and next week I will have an open challenge, something like that. Something to yeah. bridge us to the next week of dynamite or to bridge us to rampage. So yeah, I agree that there needed to be something. And that's what I was kind of talking about. Like, Someone, no one came out to shut her up or no one came out to issue a challenge. Um, you know, there, there needed to be something to, to make this relevant next week because next week they're not going to show us a highlight package of her just shitting on Cleveland again. But I would really love if they just showed her every single week shitting on Cleveland. I think that would be wonderful. <laughs> I think you also, have some personal issues with no, Cleveland. I got no issue with Cleveland. That, I just that you need funny. to explore further. And uh... <laughs> like one of my favorite tweets from this week was like MJF going like, "Ah, oh, yes, the beautiful beaches of Cleveland." Said no one ever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Joe, what do you got for me? <laughs> uh, so I mean, that was the first thing I was going to talk about because I thought it was a little bit, you know. <laughs> empty and 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 missing a little something uh but something i did enjoy that i i think it's, it's still not quite there but we're working on it was the layla hirsch and red velvet match i thought the match itself was good um and i like that they're kind of building slowly building layla hirsch into a vicious heel and uh, someone who is concerned yes with winning and will do whatever it takes including you know bending the rules in order to win but also is out to hurt people and as someone who's a submission specialist it makes sense for her to be occupying that role Uh, i always enjoyed when kurt angle was a heel and would just keep throwing the ankle lock on people and injuring people and i thought that was a lot of fun and i think she could kind of occupy a similar space uh she obviously has the amateur background and uh wrestles with that style so i'm interested to see where this goes for her and uh it was nice to see red velvet you know wrestling on tv again yeah i I think the big thing and we've kind of touched on this the last few weeks is that it's a secondary women's feud you know i i like all the people involved in this um i do think leo hirsch has to and and red velvet need to up their promo games but um it's a it's it's a story and they're attempting it and they're getting people to talk about it on Twitter and they're giving these women airtime. We still only had one women's match, but you know, count that with a 15 minute break Britt Baker's you know, promo session. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this. I think, you know, the end game here is, uh, you know, Chris Statlander and Layla Hirsch, especially with the save at the end. Um, I don't know. It, I kind of find it hard to have a, like four foot, four foot, nothing pain maker. <laughs> like she's, I don't know. I'm trying not to let the height interfere, but there's going to be people. And we've seen it before. where like, she's just going to look small, really small. Um, and maybe her taking out someone like Chris Statlander can legitimize her. Cause Statlander is one of the more physically imposing women in the division. So maybe that's what this will, how this will benefit her going forward. I mean, I, I think size doesn't matter in, in pro wrestling, really. Like, we've seen She's really Rey Mysterio. Small, yeah, it's but like, we've seen Rey Mysterio beat the big show. Like, it's it doesn't matter. It truly doesn't matter. You can make anything work and make sense within the context of a pro wrestling match. Uh, 
I guess, but it's also to the point where like it, it can't be too extreme. And at least with Ray, he has the flippity doos, which we've learned in wrestling. Flippity doos can overcome anything. Like she doesn't have the flippity doos. So I, I just gotta, I gotta see more from her. I, I like Layla Hirsch. She's not. I'm. I wouldn't say she's one of my favorites, but um, I'm curious to see how they handle it because that's always going to be a, a sticking point. And you can have those smaller guys if and women if they have like a definable, you know, they got the flippy dudes, they got massive strength, which she is really fucking strong. So that's probably how they'll have to have to do this. But we'll, we'll see. I'm hoping that this does lead. Maybe, God, please give us a second women's match on a pay-per-view. I know pay-per-views are pretty exclusive and it's hard to get on pay-per-views, but a secondary women's match on a pay-per-view would hit for me. I mean, I, I agree. And I also would like to throw out there, when was the last time that there was an AEW pay-per-view that we reviewed and we didn't say, kind of felt like this match could have been the main event of a Dynamite, you know, instead mm-hmm. of being on the pay-per-view. And I, I think for the people booking those shows and setting it up, you need to ask yourself, like, what's the benefit of having this match occupying pay-per-view time instead of being the main event of a dynamite or the opening match of a dynamite? And how does that weigh against the benefit of having two women's matches on the main card of a pay-per-view? Because like it's, there's a lot of people that would like to see that and that is progress. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, something that we can get behind. You have two titles now Mm -hmm. in the women's division and those need to be defended on big high profile shows. So I, I think that's a big thing. It's going to be interesting to see with revolution being the first pay-per-view since the uh, TBS championship was, you know, awarded. Mm-hmm. Is that belt going to be defended? Is Brit's belt going to be defended? And, you know, how's that going to play out? So it's funny though, because we don't always necessarily like, I'm trying to, I guess, yeah, TNT, TNT championship wasn't defended at full gear. It was defended at all out. Like I, I, you can make an argument that like the TBS TNT championship doesn't always have to be. That's actually never mind. TNT has been defended pretty consistently on pay-per-view. So yeah, I expect to see the same thing. You know what women's match needs to be on a pay-per-view when I decide to bring it back? Riho and uh, not Riho, Hikaru Shida and Serena Deeb. That needs to be like that final match needs to be a pay-per-view. I don't want that on TV. Yep. I want yep. that on pay-per-view. So, all right, Joel, well, let's, um, let's move on. Uh, my, my, my favorite, one of my favorite things from this week, it's really short. It's jungle boy calling Isaiah Cassidy's watch fake. Yeah. <laughs> his, I thought one, that was fun. his one line. It was so funny. And Cassidy <laughs> just reacts. He's like, no, no, no. And then he like, you see on his other arm, he has the same watch. Yeah. On both arms. Like that was, that was really funny. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it contributes, but this match a should be awesome. We love yeah. private party. We're private party stands. Um, and it was, it's always fun to see Christian and Matt Hardy face to face, you know, on opposing ends these days. Cause it just brings me back to like the nineties. So. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to this match and it's nice to see private party back in a high profile match. Yep. You know, it's, it's been a hot minute. So looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to talk about the CM Punk MJF segment because I think, and I know we disagree on this. We talked about it before the show. Uh, I, I think we're actually getting this match and I'm going to be really upset if we're not, um, not because like I desperately want to see this match, but I kind of want this feud to be 
over. Uh, it's getting a little bit boring. Um, the same crap over and over again between these two. And they came out swinging so hard and with such fantastic promos. And I think that it, in a lot of ways, they've kind of run out of ammunition here and they need to just wrestle because it's, it's getting to feel very samey every week. And uh, I, I need to just see them actually fight each other. Yeah. I, I, I have two possible like outcomes with this. One is that we don't actually get this match that it just turns into an even bigger beatdown than we got this week. And they do like an injury angle, something, and they stretch this to revolution. Um, on the flip side, I could see this match happening, but say Punk wins and then Wardlow and all of the pinnacle come out and they want Wardlow to do the, you know, was it Powerbomb Symphony? Mm-hmm. And he refuses. I could see this feud evolving into a more Wardlow centric CM Punk kind of being like, hey, what the fuck, dude? Why are you letting this little guy boss you around? And that drags to maybe revolution where it's Wardlow versus MJF. And well, you know, I'd be down for that. I know you'd be down for that. Or it's, you know, MJF and Sean Spears versus Wardlow and CM Punk, something like that. Because I feel like the Wardlow stuff has been such a big part of this feud. Like it's definitely every... come more to the forefront. It's been kind of burbling in the background yeah. for a long time. And, and this feud has really brought to the front, this rift between mm-hmm. Wardlow and MJF. And when you have a, a, a talker like CM Punk, like if it's not, it's not just enough for CM Punk to win the match against MJF. It, it seems like it's Punk's, role to destroy MJF's life. And if you have his massive bodyguard basically turn on him, that's probably hurts MJF more than him just losing a one-off match in Chicago. So I, I, if I had to pick me selfishly, I want it to be a revolution because I want to see that match, but um, I'm okay with the match being next week. If it, if it can evolve into something like, you know, I just laid out. So We'll see. But yeah, it, pretty big TV match. CM Punk, MJF in Chicago. And God, how do they have the balls to have CM Punk lose in Chicago? Yeah, I mean, that would be kind of wild. <laughs> I, you know, I think you have to bear in mind when you're talking about stretching this out that Revolution isn't until the beginning of March. I know it's so there far away. There is an away. entire <laughs> calendar month between now and that pay-per-view. So... Well, that's why I was trying to come up with other possible ways that this could still kind of happen or at least keep them engaged by throwing in something like that. But yeah, it is a long time away. I I really like the angle of this turns into MJF versus Wardlow at Revolution. Um, I, I think there's an element of you can wait too long to pull the trigger on something. And they've been doing the tease of Wardlow getting more and more irritated with MJF for gosh years at this point, like mm-hmm. AEW is not that old of a company <laughs> and it feels like it's been two years that we've been seeing Wardlow get annoyed with MJF. Now, now MJF that the Omega saved the situation. Now that the Kenny Omega hangman page story has wrapped up, this is the longest running story in AEW history. Like it's, it's been going on a long time. So yeah, I, I, 
I, I know you're a fan of, of Wardlow and if that happened, you'd be pretty stoked. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I think, I, I think I was just clouded by my selfishness of wanting to see this match in person. <laughs> if we're being honest, I'm a, I can be a selfish person when it comes to that type of stuff. All right. Um, what you got? Uh, yeah, I want to go into the Chris Jericho, Santana Ortiz stuff. Um, I think this was done almost perfectly. Like Santana Ortiz, like refusing to tag in Jericho throughout the match. You mentioned Jericho's B level acting on the apron, just looking, you know, frustrated, frustrated and flustered. But the ending of Jericho nailing the Judas effect, um, to get them the win and then him flipping them off on the stage uh, was really good and really intriguing. And I, I didn't really believe the inner circle was going to break up, but like this whole interaction at the end of this match, like actually makes me think it's going to happen this time. And maybe that's what all these guys need. You know, we talked about how Sammy needs this, how the um, proud and powerful need this. Maybe this is something Jericho needs. He talks about how he likes to evolve. He doesn't like to do the same character. Maybe another solo run, not another, a solo run in AEW would do him some good because he's been with the inner circle pretty much since day one. I, I want to see Hangdog sad down on his luck, Jericho. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he's been pretty well protected as a wrestler mm-hmm. in terms of his win loss record, but like, let's see Jericho just lose his friends and then go on a tremendous losing streak. Like just come out and like beg people for matches. Cause he's trying to get it back together. And I think that would be a really interesting <laughs> and different thing for him to do. Oh man. Have um, him lose to Brandon Cutler. I was going to say Peter Avalon, <laughs> but yeah, same territory, same territory. And no, my brain initially went to Peter Avalon, but I'm like, no, 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 Brandon Cutler. <laughs> well, you know, Peter Avalon and Brandon Cutler, they had the the, mm-hmm. the feud where they had both lost a zillion matches and uh, Brandon Cutler got the win there. So I think Peter Avalon is even lower in the <laughs> hierarchy of people who get to win matches. I think it'd be super fun. And Peter Avalon would be hilarious in oh, a man. feud with Jericho. So um, I-, I would love to see that. That would be a- an interesting interesting way to go. A question for you, Joe. One of my buddies asked me this. Uh, now that the MJF Jericho story ended and he went up, he didn't retire, who do you actually want to see retire Jericho in AEW? I had because I thought MJF was the perfect guy yeah. for it. And what I've come to now is maybe Sammy Guevara. Uh in this, you know, he was the youngest member of the inner circle. He was kind of the, you know, Randy Orton of that group. Mm-hmm. And somehow those guys getting tangled up down the line and kind of giving us a I'm sorry, I love you type moment, like downing his mentor type of thing but no one was as perfect as mjf i think you go one of two ways right you either want to do somebody from who's who's an older wrestler right somebody Mm -hmm. that jericho has a long history with like if you could get ray mysterio to come in and do that like that would be really meaningful um lance storm yeah absolutely yeah (laughs) and and i I think he would do it oh i know lance storm would do it like (laughs) like he would yeah. come out of retirement to retire Chris Jericho. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, and I think Lance Storm is somebody whose stock has gone through the roof 
since his time as an active performer ended. Um, mm-hmm. There's so much respect for him around. We didn't appreciate. He wasn't appreciated during. His... So that's that's option number one, and I think option number two is you give it to someone who it will really help. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of these young up and coming talents who need a big signature win and something that they can, you know, use to bolster them and push them forward. Uh, someone like a Darius Martin, or sorry, Dante Martin. Um, Darius Martin would be fun. Yeah, too. <laughs> returning Darius Martin. Yeah, he comes retires back from injury, retires Jericho, <laughs> and then immediately feuds with his brother. I would love that. Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess what I, I, me and my friend kind of just, there's a way to make this a big deal. Like, it wouldn't be the equivalent of like Undertaker's streak ending, but like, you can make a big deal about retiring Jericho and making that. Mm-hmm kind of a part of a character going forward. Just imagine if oh, MJF did it. it. We saw MJF make a big deal out of it yeah. and and talk about how he was going to retire Jericho and made mm-hmm. it feel significant. And we all bought in and we thought it was going to happen and it was going to be this amazing moment. And then it didn't happen. Um, so, you know, whenever it does happen, I, I think they need to do something similar. The problem is you can't use that blueprint again. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the way MJF did it was, was pretty perfect. And God, the, you have the, to come up with a different way of doing it. You almost have to go the honorable route of like, I recognize that this is a big deal and come at it with humility as opposed to coming at it with arrogance, the way that MJF did, because, you know, that's maybe a way to give it a different flavor and a different feeling from what we saw when MJF tried to end Chris mm-hmm. Jericho's career. So I, I also think too, like, remember the last few years before Taker lost the streak, like people after the rumble would come out, like, I want to face the undertaker at WrestleMania. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it became a thing. I, you don't have the streak to kind of, you know, make that easy to do, but there's something that, that there's gotta be something they can do to make that work. And, but yeah, man, oh, I think I just, I'm just disappointed because the, the, the labors of Jericho was so fucking good. And that would have just been a perfect way for him to go out. And now I'm like, I don't know what can ever come close to that. <laughs> Sorry to uh, kind of veer us in a weird direction, but no, Joel, no, it's, I think it's an interesting conversation. I have one last thing, okay. uh, which is we got the reveal via video package that the title match between Lance Archer and Adam page is going to be a Texas death match. <laughs> um, his reaction to when they, they told yeah. him that. Yeah, he definitely does that deer in the headlights look Whoa. very well. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> but then, you know, it's like, okay, cowboy up. Let's do it. And um, doesn't matter if it's a Texas death match. I'm, you know, going to do this thing. Um, Lance what are the Archer, official rules of a Texas death match? Like, I mean, no rules. It, it's a no disqualification. No rules? It, it, is it a 10 count? Or is it just... I don't believe it's last man standing. I'm pretty sure it's like standard victory conditions. Um, But I I could be wrong about that. Texas Deathmatch was how Lance Archer briefly won the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship off of Moxley. So so I think it would just be pinfall submission. But yeah, so I I think Lance is uh, one and oh in this style of match in AEW. So that's an interesting thing moving into it. We haven't seen, I don't think a hardcore style match from Adam page so far in AEW. 
So mm-hmm. that'll be new territory. So that's interesting. I mean, if we just need a leather strap with uh, thumbtacks glued to it. Yeah, and Frankie Kazarian. Um, <laughs> Give me that match. <laughs> yeah, run it back. Run it back. That match was fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to be fun. And they did. They 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 did the impossible. I think uh, they made me made interested about Lance in a Lance Archer match. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, Joel, who should be part of Team Taz? Lance Archer, because he always fucking loses. <laughs> like, I, no, I want Team Taz to turn it around. There are too many people a part of Team Taz that I like and care about for them to keep freaking losing. Unless you're Hook, Hook will always yes, win. That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, Hook saw, is the protagonist of of all elite wrestling. So, I saw I saw a tweet that's like, "You mean to tell me Hook and Danhausen are both in the same company?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, oh baby, so. Yeah, I, Joel, I I think I'm out of topics. I, it, this was a I thought this was a really good episode. Agreed. Of of dynamite form. Yes, I, I I don't know what that December stretch man. The December stretch is always is always something because it's it's kind of not been good ever since they've come to like they started. There's always a weird down stretch. I mean, it's it's different. It's not a what we've come to think of as like standard operating practice for dynamite and i don't know if they would be better served to just run normal episodes instead of trying to do like these big attraction style shows yeah um but it also like there was a weird run starting in like august of tons of new talent debuting in the company Mm -hmm. and that kind of changing everything around and then you know we had moxley leave and now he's back and so that feels like a little bit more normal um you know there's just a lot that well like for example settled back into place we haven't seen danielson since he lost to page Mm -hmm. um you know so we had a stretch where we saw danielson every single week um moxley came back last week guess what Moxley wasn't on the show today. I think he's wrestling on Rampage, but he wasn't yeah. on Dynamite. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, we always talked about one of the things we enjoyed about the first year or so of AEW is that you didn't see everyone every single week. And I think we they've kind of gotten over the, oh, these are our new attractions. We much must show them every single week. You know, we've kind of yet to see a week without CM Punk, but I think he's a little different. Um, but yeah, I, it's... I don't know. Hopefully we just continue this stretch. And remember that run up to revolution, like two years ago, that was just fucking wild. They had like the 30 minute Iron Man match between Pac and Mm -hmm. Omega the week before the pay-per-view. Like give me a, give me a month like that. Like that would be, that would be great. Well, I think February is going to be the like first time in a while that there's a true one month build up to a Mm -hmm. pay-per-view. It feels like there's been a lot of like, one and two week builds to a pay-per-view recently uh, in part because of like debuting talent and, and stories and stuff. But I think there's a real opportunity here to clear up everything that's Mm -hmm. not going to be revolution focused on this next week of television and then truly have four weeks to build up this card. And because I mean, they they say this is their signature show. This is their WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. So, like treat it that way 
and let's get a legitimate build that gets everybody excited for every match. Make it count. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's also like, you know, two months before WrestleMania, you can type in Google like, hey, potential WrestleMania card. And it has all these. I, I really can't tell you what I think are going to be the main matches at Revolution, especially if CM Punk MJF actually happens next week. Like, I don't know what's the cards. Gonna, like, I don't have any predictions. So time to start building up. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> so. All right, guys. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show, Twitter at The Other Wrestling Show, Joel at The Other Joel, me at Michael underscore Aranda. can email us at Show at gmail.com, can find the podcast on TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get it, we're there. We might need to pull a, uh, crap, Neil Young, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Just blanked on the name. There go. Joke was there. The execution was bad. It's <laughs> so. clear you were searching for a heart of gold. <laughs> Joel, anything to say before I I hit the hit the button? Join the dark order or be cursed. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline and happy wrestling. <laughs>